Well, I brought with me 2023. I think you have one too. In my bag of 2023, there's a lot. And this morning we stand kind of at a doorway. And this doorway is 2023 on one side and 2024 on the other. We're standing at the threshold of entering into a new year. Please excuse me for setting this here. But I thought I'd just open it up and let you see a little bit of 2023 for me. On top is my new, new day timer for 2024. I've got it for Christmas. So I'm prepared and ready for a new year. Let me dig down a little deeper, though, back into the first of this past year. Ah, there's my list of resolutions. <laughs> I didn't do too well. There's my resolutions, yes. Eat healthier, exercise more, spend a little time by myself, take my wife out on a date once a week. <laughs> I didn't do too well. Spend more time with God's people. Oh, I remember that. Transmission went out. Really didn't have the money for $3,500, but it was part of life, and it just happened. I received a call from a friend, and they were struggling emotionally, separated from their family, distant, felt they couldn't speak to them anymore. What words could I have for them? There, oh, Samsung representative on the phone, trying to get my refrigerator fixed. I became very impatient, very angry. I, I lost, I lost it. Oh, there it is. That reoccurring thing in my life that I struggle with the most every day. But I don't want you to know what that is. 2023, what are we going to do with it? There's a lot more there. Evergreen has experienced a lot in 2023. I didn't get to that section in my bag there. But I want to assure us of one thing this morning. We're never alone. He is always with us. Every step of the way. You know, I've been wrestling with a couple things. See, it's kind of funny that uh, this is the last message for 2023. My name ends in W, so I had the last, you know, alphabet-wise, and so you kind of get stuck with me. 
a gray-headed, semi-gray-headed carpenter. I'm going to share some word with you. Well, travel with me if you will. I do have one or two things to say. But it's really dependent upon your heart. Is it open and receptive to his word this morning? And even in my words, which are insufficient and may stumble, are you open to what God wants to speak to you this morning? I do think he has a word for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day because it is yours. We awake this morning to a bright moon in the sky and the twilight. And in Weir's Valley, the quietness of the breeze and the trees as they moved back and forth. We come together to gather together on a sunny day, thankful for you, reflective of the year past, anticipating in wonderment for the year to come. Heavenly Father, help us to understand we're never alone. Never alone. Guide our thoughts this morning. And I ask this in your name. Amen. This morning, I'd like to go ahead and tell you the three sort of points of the message because I want you to be listening to the, the scripture that we read and take those words that I'm going to mention to you and see if you can search them out in this scripture because it's not one of those scriptures that just outlines it boom, 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 boom. But if we listen and look deeper, it's there. And it's something I need. Um, you know, I've been kind of trying to figure out this world that we're living in. It's a world that's filled with chaos, turmoil, unrest, fear, and uncertainty. That makes you want to get up in the morning, doesn't it? It's a society that's divided. A culture at war with itself. Listen to me. The irrational has now become the rational. The new rational. And it's all around us. Laws have become just suggestions. They've become just opinions. They've become just whatever works for you at this moment. Vance Havner said, an old-time evangelist, he said, right wing, left wing, it doesn't matter, they're flapping on the same bird. How true it is. You know what? I attended a arts festival in Piedmont Park in Atlanta one time. And there was a booth there. And in that booth, the person was selling their wares, and they had one that was just flying off the shelf there. And it said, me, 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 me. And you could put that up in your home. Just put it up on the wall. Me, 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 me. And that's what we've become. A society and a culture that it's all about who? Me. A culture that has gone from what is rational and true to accepting the irrational as the rational. And when we boil it all down, sometimes we find ourselves alone. still asking the same questions we have over and over. Who am I? What am I doing? Where am I going? 
How can I keep going on? <laughs> I tell you what, I'm just tired. Just leave me alone. Catherine Marshall wrote in a book, and she says, When Satan was presented with the tools that he could present or tempt anyone with, there was all types that he could choose from. Greed, power, lust. But he said he chose this, and that was discouragement. A powerful tool, discouragement is. A powerful experience, loneliness is. But I want us to understand this. This morning, we have the opportunity to live daily in His presence, in His provision, and in His promise. Now, that should be easy to remember. Three Ps. And as we read the scripture this morning, I want you to think about those scriptures as we read through it. Have you already forgotten? Okay, let's go over that again. His presence, His provision, and His... And the third time is the charm. His presence, His provision, and His promise. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, and it's taken from Acts chapter 16. And it's kind of an unlikely story, and I'm not sure if you'd say, oh, that's where I'm going to go to find God's presence. That's where I'm going to go to find His provision. That's where I'm going to go and try to provide His promises. Well, I want to hold up to you that they're there. And they're there in a real-life way. And it's a story of real life for Paul and Silas. And I think for us, if we just shake it all out and separate everything we are and take down the, the uh, curtain, if you will, of our life, we're going to find in ourselves a consistent struggle with understanding the presence and the provision and the promise of God day to day. And Paul here is living it out. That's something interesting about Paul. What he wrote about, he lived out. He experienced. It wasn't theory. It wasn't just a thought. It wasn't a warm, cozy Bible study. It was reality for him. So we're looking at uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 34. We're not going to read the whole thing just straight through. But we're going to kind of travel with Paul as he did on this missionary journey. He's headed toward Asia, but the Spirit of God says it prevents him from going to Asia. He was going to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of God did not lead him into Bithynia. But instead, in a vision that night, a man from of Macedonia begs him to come over to be with us. Come to Macedonia. Please bring that message you have to Macedonia. And we find this in verses 6 through verse 10. Let's look at it here in verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, it says, We got ready, Silas was with him, ready, and at once we left for Macedonia. God's presence was on Paul and Silas. 
as they were seeking each day to follow God's will, to be sensitive to what he was leading, to be open to where he was going to take them. And though they were heading toward a certain direction into Asia, the Spirit of God slowed them down and said, no, this is where I want you to go instead. Listen now, in order for us to understand his direction, we've got to be in his presence and seeking him. We've got to be searching out what he wants us to do. And it says he led them into Macedonia, and Paul did not delay. Paul did not consult his itinerary. He didn't look at his tablet. No, he didn't. Instead, he went immediately, following God's direction. And as we, he goes to Macedonia, he travels to Troas, and he puts out to sea, and he sails through Samothrace and next to Neapolis, and from there he finds a colony called Philippi, a Roman colony. It was the leading city of that district in Macedonia. And it says, we stayed there several days. The Sabbath came, but in Philippi there was not a church to go to. There was not a synagogue. There was not a place of worship. But there were people that were gathering together down by the river to pray. And in this particular case, there were a group of ladies that were gathered there. And one of them in particular, whose name was Lydia. So you know what? Yes, that's, that's right. Lydia. So Paul and Silas identify themselves with what God is doing. As they're seeking to walk in the presence of God, they don't go and just start a, a new Bible study, if you will. What I'm saying is they pray and seek God and they find out what God is doing in that community and they go and become a part of it. And what do they find? Women gathered at the river to pray and they join them. And Paul begins to share with them something more. He shares with them the message of Christ and Christ's coming and how he can change their life and why he died on the cross and why he rose again. And that message convicted Lydia to where she came and accepted Christ because God opened her heart. And it says she and the members of her household were baptized. She invited Paul and Silas to her home to stay with them. Lydia's heart was open because Paul and Silas were walking in the presence of God and experiencing God's presence and wanting to be obedient to him and ready to serve in that moment that God called. But how quickly life changes. Have you ever experienced that? A blessing of things that are going on in family and friends and maybe work, and then how quickly life changes. Oh, it was so good. Paul had a place to stay. He had food on the table. He had people praying. He had people studying the word. He had the opportunity to speak. He was fulfilling his commission of God. But how quickly life changes. Now we find Paul going through the city of Philippi. And there's this slave girl that keeps following him. And every time she sees him, she says, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. How quickly life changes. Now, if you study Paul, 
you'll find several things about his reactions to things. Uh, I think he's definitely one of those type A driven people. Quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to become angry. But at the same time, we're not quite sure what was going on here. But we know this for sure. King James says he was grieved. NIV says he was troubled. The ESV says he was annoyed. Either way, Paul turns and looks at the servant girl. And by the authority of God himself, the presence of God being upon him and the power of God being with him, he speaks to the girl and the demon comes out. And now she's released from that bondage. Everybody rejoices and praises God. Look at what God is doing. No, quite the opposite. And it's so true so often for us. When God works, uh, those around often don't receive it or accept it. Instead, even greater opposition comes when God is working. In this case, these men now, who had been making money off this young lady because she could tell the future. She could predict what was happening. But now that source of revenue is gone and they become in an uproar. They go to the madrids in the city and get everybody in an uproar. They gather Paul and Silas up and take them in front of them. They're beaten in skirts. How quickly things can change. And now they find themselves beaten and in prison. Not just in prison, but they find themselves in the innermost part of prison, in the dungeon itself. I can just imagine. Hmm. Break room, TV room. Everybody has their own bunks. No, not in this prison. But a prison of isolation. A prison of squalor. A prison where no light would shine in. And there Paul and Silas found themselves. Life was good, but how quickly it turns. Night before, I was resting in the home of Lydia, having eaten in full. Tonight, I find myself in prison, nothing to eat, my back raw from being beaten. Circumstances, folks, are coming into our lives continually. Events, struggles, pains. But there's something that doesn't change, and that is the presence of God. Paul and Silas, I was wondering what Silas would be thinking because Paul was kind of following Silas, following his lead. Can you see Silas going, Hey, Paul, what are we doing here? This is not what you were talking about when we left. You talked about taking the message of Jesus Christ to people, and people being saved. But we just got beaten, and now we're in a dungeon, and now I don't know what I'm going to do and I'm here with you, what are we going to do? And I can see kind of Paul, and I'm sorry if I'm kind of reading into this, but I think it's probably there. Paul's saying, the presence of God is with us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. And at midnight, the scripture says, they began to pray and sing hymns. What, what quite the contrary. Praising God and singing hymns. See, Paul was living out the reality of the presence of God in jail. In Thessalonians, Paul had written a, would write about 
In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul, are you sure? He was sure. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He was living out that truth. He knew what that meant, even though he had not written it yet to the Thessalonians. Uh, He wrote to the Philippians years later. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You see, these were not idle truths for Paul and Silas. This was reality. And the scripture is not idle. Its truths are inspired by God, laid out before us to follow, with the presence of God guiding us with those truths. There's a lot that took place in the jail, and we'll get to a few of those things in a moment. But since and listen, Paul and Silas, in the presence of God, in jail, in that circumstance of life that they didn't expect, which they didn't deserve, that they didn't plan for, that came upon them, and they were not, it came. But they understood God's presence. Now, my question to myself is, and I'll just ask it to you, how do we get to a point that we could be like that in our circumstances of life and live in the presence of God? Okay, if you don't have an answer, let me give you a thought. And the thought is this. If we're going to make this a reality in our life, there's some things we can do and we need to do and we need to continue to do it. This fall, we've been reminded of the importance of the Word of God. And I've got a list here of things I would encourage you to do. Don't make a resolution. Just listen and see what speaks to you and what God will lay upon your heart to do in this coming year. If one of your desires of the heart is to live in His presence. Spend more time in the Word of God. We've heard that. He said, Dwight, that's not new. Mm-hmm. But His Word is new every morning. And we have the opportunity to experience that and read that and learn from that and grow from that and enjoy that and be instructed by that and be corrected by that. Spend time in His Word. Any suggestions, Dwight? Well, there's a plethora. I've got read the Bible through 2023 way down in that bag of my study guide that I was supposed to read through the Bible in 2023. I didn't quite make it. Uh, Lost it there around Leviticus. (laughs) But we have the opportunity to spend more time in it. I'd give you three things to consider. One would be spend some time every day in the Psalms praises of God, the heart of David. Spend some time each day, take a proverb a day and read it. That would, be a, that would enable you every day to read through one proverb, the book once a month, 12 times during the year. And I would say it would have an impact on your thoughts and your decisions and your understanding and your relationships even because it speaks so much about it. 
And then the proverbial question is, what would Jesus do? If you want to know, join with me and let's read through the Gospels once a month. Once a month. Let's listen to what God, how Jesus Christ lived out amongst the disciples and the Pharisees and those hurting and the children and those that were lost and desperate and the sick and the weary. And let's listen to what he did and what he led him and how he spoke to them. Second of all, I'd encourage you to spend time in prayer. He said, I've heard that before, Dwight. I understand. But these are the basic things of understanding the presence of God. And what do I mean by prayer? This. Prayer becomes your breath. As you breathe in, hold it five seconds. Breathe out through your nostril. Seven seconds. And that's supposed to release something and make me feel better. Well, I'm going to say, in your breath, pray. Pray as you breathe. Pray as you travel. Pray as you work. Pray as you encounter that person on the phone trying to describe to you what button to push on your Samsung refrigerator to fix it. Pray each moment of the day. Pray and seek Him. Pray for that ambulance that travels down the road past you and they're going somewhere. Pray for that family in front of the store that seemed to be in an argument. Pray for that person in your neighborhood that you know has some needs. Pray for your family member that the door is closed and pray that God will open that door for communication with them. Pray that God will restore to you the joy of your salvation. Continually, daily, daily praying. And remember, as we pray, remember those blessings that he gives. And thank him for those blessings daily. Three, set a worship as a priority. Set being at church a priority. Now, I grew up in church. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any a Pharisee of Pharisees. I grew up there. Father a pastor, got baptized there every Sunday as an infant, a child. Teenager, young adult, da 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 da. And what I found is I can come up with a lot of excuses not to go. But if we want to understand and experience the presence of God, we've got to set as one of the major priorities of our life to be in this house to worship together with others. Fourth, ask God what He's doing in your community, in your area of influence, and be a part of it. Come alongside of it. Number five. List three things that you're thankful for each day. And when you become discouraged and ticked off and your mind begins to wonder and not in a good direction, go back to those things and give thanks and be reminded of it, of what he's done. Lastly, number six, rest in him. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Mm. Be still and know I am God. Meditate on it. The whole book of, excuse me, the whole chapter of Psalm 46. Read through it. And meditate on that truth that He is our strength and our refuge 
in no matter where we are and rest in him and rest in his presence. So Paul and Silas were experiencing the reality of the presence of God in jail now. Life had changed so quickly for them. Things seemed to be growing around their church and things changed so quickly. Experiences of life. But they rested in the presence of God and then they understood His presence and secondly, His provision. All right, one of you remembered. Very good. His provision. Understanding God's provision. And I have to, because I'm going to keep looking back a little bit at Silas. I read what Silas's name means. And there's several different interpretations. And this is just a side note. Uh, it means the woods and the forest. It means tranquility and peace. What an awesome name. That's you, Silas. But you know what also? That's the one, the companion of Paul. This is where he was. A man of tranquility and peace. He's growing to understand the presence of God and now he's experiencing the provision of God. You see, as they were traveling toward Asia to proclaim the gospel, they did receive a call. And I'm going to say this. God's provision in this instance was a provision of direction, wisdom, and insight. It was also his presence, but it also was his provision of direction and discernment and where to go. God continually provides us with that if we're seeking him, if we're walking in his presence. His direction will become much clearer as he provides it to us. We can be confident of this. Secondly, God's provision for Paul and Silas was they go to Philippi. Remember, they identify with Lydia and the family. And now God provides their physical needs. They needed a place to stay. They needed food. And now they find themselves in a home of a, a new believer. And that must have been a time of joy and experiencing someone new to Christ. Not some old Presbyterian. Somebody new in Christ. Man, how exciting would that be? Someone thirsting to know the truth. Someone wanting to know more about Jesus. Tell me more. God had provided them with this fellowship, with the physical needs through the life of Lydia and the home of Lydia. But how quickly things change. Paul finds himself now in a jail. in a dungeon, in the innermost part, in darkness. His feet are in stocks. He can't go anywhere. He can't move. But God provides this. God provides His Spirit as a truth to Paul. I'm not going to leave you alone. I don't leave you alone. Now I want you to just think with me just a little bit. Um, I've, I tend to build things now and then. And so let's build a dungeon together. How are you going to do it back then? You're going to build it out of what? Stone. 
You're going to stack stones. You'll dig out maybe and then stack stones and stack stones. Make little rooms. Make door openings. But then how are you going to hinge a door? You take some metal, fashion it, drive it through maybe the crack in the stone and a crack in the stone. Hinge that door with its metal or wood on it. How are you going to put chains and stocks in, a, in a, a cell that people will not be able to move around? You'll fix them again, most likely, into the stone. I'd like to just kind of toss out to you that what's fixing to happen is God's measured provision for Paul and Silas. An earthquake comes. It shakes the foundation of the prison. You know what took place? It didn't fall and crumble. It didn't collapse upon them. But this did happen. Those chains that could not be pulled out, loosened the stocks, they were loosened. That earthquake was just enough to make that happen. That earthquake that came shook the doors and it shook them open. Just enough to open the doors. God's provision of this natural event of an earthquake, Paul knew was more than that. But was God supernaturally working to open the doors so that they were free? Free to go now. But they didn't leave. Paul and Silas in prison truly were the servants of the Most High God. And they had come to tell everyone how to be saved. After this event takes place, I'm going to say again, God's measured provision in this natural event that took place of the earthquake of shaking the jail. The jailer comes out and his first response is, as he looks around and sees the doors open, is what? I'm in trouble now. I'm in a lot of trouble. They've commissioned me to take care of these men. They told me not to lose them. I put them in the innermost parts where they could not get out. And now all the doors are open. And the Bible tells us that he drew his sword ready to take his life because he much rather take his life than be under the penalty of or the punishment of or even maybe the death of, for, of a penalty for losing those prisoners. And so he takes his sword ready to run himself through and kill himself. But there comes a loud voice shouting and that loud voice was Paul. God provided Paul at that moment and Silas in the life of that jailer. God's continued provision. Did you know what? Some guy, sometimes God, we are part of God's provision. We often think that it's just God doing something to us or speaking to us or providing for us. No, it's sometimes Him equipping us to be involved in that overall provision of Him in the lives of people. Paul says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. You know, Paul could have just sat back in that jail and said, "Mm -hmm, go right ahead. But he didn't. Because Paul understood the presence of God. Paul understood this is what God has provided, an opportunity for me to speak the truth in this life. And Paul boldly says, first, he takes care of what's right there. Hey, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. To the amazement of the jailer. He yells and says, bring a light. 
And he brings a light and he shines a light and all the cell doors are open. But there's not a big scurry of people going up and down the hallways or up and down the stairs trying to flee and get out. Instead, they were all there. This stirs the jailer. For the Bible tells us here that he falls down in front of Paul and Silas. And his exclamation that he speaks was, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Where did he get those words from? How did he know? God provided a slave girl who proclaimed the truth. These are men of the Most High, God. They've come to tell you the way to be saved. That message, I'm sure, had traveled down through to the jailer. And the jailer now, where once he was speaking in a degrading way to Paul and Silas, throws himself on the ground and says, Sirs, submission, what must I do to be saved? See, the jailer brought a broken heart. Now he was a broken man, and God was calling him. On that day, God had provided a way for him to be saved. And it was through the ministry of Paul and Silas. You know what? There are things ahead for Evergreen and for you. As we seek his presence, God is going to provide a way for Evergreen to minister to the families that are here, the families that our lives touch, and the families in our community. Note, we are part of his provision. My presence I give you, all you need and power I give you, now you're commissioned to be part of this message of Christ. You see, at that moment, it tells us in Scripture, in verse, let's see it is, verse number 25, Paul and Silas were preaching or singing and praying, and the other prisoners were doing what? They were listening. They were attentive. What do these men say? What they were saying is, God, Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him will not perish but have everlasting life. They were proclaiming the truth. God had provided in that time and space an opportunity for them to hear the message of Christ. Not totally sure what progressed after the conversion of the jailer. The Bible does say that he believed and that he took them to his house and his whole household believed as Paul and Silas proclaimed to them the message of Christ and that they were baptized and God then provided with them a meal, took care of their wounds and sustenance and great joy filled that house. You see, often we think in ourselves the provision of God is just a monetary thing. Now, I think in my wallet this morning, I've got five dollars. You know, God, I need five more. Can you give me five more, God? Yes, you can. Can you give me five? 
it's not always a monetary thing. His provision is much more. And often we read the scriptures that talk about abundance, prosperity, above all things, to the fullness thereof. And those are all true scriptures. But sometimes they can get misdirected. What I want to hold up to us is this. God provides an abundance to us. And think about these abundant things. He gives us hope. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us peace. He gives us wisdom. He gives us strength. He gives us discernment. He gives us patience. He gives us joy. He gives us faith. He gives us his love. And he has given us our son. What more abundantly and full and blessed can we be when he showers all this upon us? Truly, he does give us abundantly, beyond measure, more than we ever ask or think. It's much deeper than monetary things. There's a word in these next four scriptures I'm going to read to you. And here's a test. You pick out the recurring word. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul's writing to the Corinthians. This is what God can do. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his name, his own glory, and for his goodness. Remember, you're looking for a word that's repetitive in all four of these verses. It's already been repeated twice. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what we shall wear? For the pagans run after all these things. The world runs after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Philippians chapter 419. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now for the test. Word repeated. Represented in all four verses. What was it? That's a good answer, but not the one we're looking for. Okay, I'll read these verses again. It begins with the letter N. Needs. Catch that truth there. He says, having all that you need, Corinthians. He says, giving us everything we need for life and godliness, Peter. Matthew says, he'll supply. God knows that you have need of these things, clothes, food. Philippians, he will meet all your needs. And that is what we can rest in, in this provision of God and understand. Folks, he wants us to draw to him 
into his presence. And in that presence, he wants us to understand, I'm going to take care of everything you want. Nope. Everything you need, I will provide that. We close with this. You've been very patient. It's the last point. It's a promise. And the promise is this. If we look at scriptures, it's filled with promises, but we're just going to hinge on one this morning. And that is this. It's taken from the life, if you will, of Moses and Joshua, but it's throughout scripture and the lives of all the prophets, um, disciples, the apostles, the women of the Bible, Esther, Ruth, on and on. Its truth is there. If you remember that Moses, where do we find him? In a basket. Where do we find him next? In the house of Pharaoh. Where do we find him next? As a ruler of Egypt. Where do we find him? In an episode of his life where he takes the life of another person. Where is he? In the wilderness. Where is he standing? In front of a burning bush. Who speaks to him? God. He was standing in the... Come on now. Presence of God. He's commissioned to go back to Egypt. And he goes back and what does he do? He leads them out of Egypt. Enabled by God. What does he find? He finds God's direction as they travel through the wilderness. Fire by night, a cloud in the daytime. God providing direction, provision. (laughs) Moses. But Moses was a man of the flesh just like everyone. He was not to see or go into the promised land because of his disobedience. But God speaks to him, and he speaks to them and encourages him to commission the one that would take the Israelites into that promised land, and that was Joshua. And in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, it says, The Lord himself will go before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The promise that I want us to rest in as we come into this new year is He will never leave us or forsake us. God is not forsaken evergreen. He has not forsaken you in your life wherever you are. He has not forsaken those loved ones that you continue to pray for. He is with you wherever you go. Joshua takes that commission. And in the first chapter of Joshua, somewhat repetitive, but necessary, God speaks to Joshua directly. And he says, be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people into the inherited land. I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Now, let me, let me say this. This is not us mustering something up in ourselves. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. No, this is us humbly bowing and saying, God, be with me and go with me and direct me and take care of me and provide what I need. It's not positive mental attitude. It's not three steps to success. It's 
God being with me as I humbly bow before him. He says, come with me. Do not be discouraged. Be courageous. He says, be strong and courageous, verse 17. And be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, and you will be successful in whatever you do, wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What does this being successful mean? I'm going to say again. It means understanding and resting in the presence of God. Understanding his daily provision for what I need. And then understanding I am part of God's provision to this world to share that message of Christ. And that was evident in the life of Paul and Silas. They were clear and understood. My life is Christ. And what is my life to be? One that shares the gospel. And folks, it is, one, it's a challenge, I'll say, but it's not that hard. And it's more than I just live a good life. Well, there's a lot of nice people in hell today. It's not just living a good life. It's saying, God, humbly I come to you a sinner, thankful for your redemption that's taken place in my life, And you've called me to share that message, that gift to others. Paul did it there in Philippi. Enabled by the presence of God and the provision of God. And the understanding that I'll never leave you or forsake you. So we conclude with this promise. Evergreen, you individually put your name there. God is not going to leave you forsake you. He encourages you to seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer. Seek him in what God is doing. And let his spirit guide you. Well, what were those three things? Very good. Where would be a good place to leave this? Behind you. Well, let's do that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, coming to a new year in our lives, we all find ourselves in a variety of situations of life. But we can rest in this. That, Father, your presence is with us and you have provided all that we need for salvation, all we need for walking with you day by day. And you've given us a promise that you'll never leave us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.